Hi, everyone. I'm Anthony Mindel. Welcome to In The Moment, a podcast about acting, art, and life, and that tricky little thing we're all after but rarely find ourselves in, the moment. In this series, I talk to all kinds of creatives and friends about the joys and the ah, heartache and challenges of acting, writing, producing, and getting out of our own ways to be the creative channels we all are. For more information, go to anthonymile.com, and you can also find us on SoundCloud and iTunes. Okay, I hope you enjoy. On today's episode, we have actors Marielle Molino and Tonantzio, both starring in Promised Land on ABC. They discuss the rewarding risk of taking creative liberty as actors, their unique experience shooting Promised Land, and the importance of honoring their cultural roots. Anthony has a new book coming out, Unstuck, a life manual on how to be more creative, overcome your obstacles, and get shit done. Check out anthonymindel.com unstuck to sign up for updates, promotions, and enter to win a free signed book. Okay. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of In The Moment Podcast. I'm a little under the weather, but we will get through it because I have two amazing, exuberant, uh, badass guests today. Give a warm welcome. It's a duo. It's double trouble. So hold your applause. Welcome. <laughs> we'll go ladies first. My guest, Marielle Molino. And Tona too are here today. Thanks, you guys, for being here. Thank you for having us. My pleasure. And you both coincidentally are on the same show. Mm-hmm. Land. On ABC coming to your TV January 24th. <laughs> okay, I was gonna say it hasn't it hasn't boom, 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 boom. No, not yet. Not yet. So it'll be Monday nights after The Bachelor. Yes. Oh, oh good lead-in. Mm-hmm. Yes, and it's kind of like a steamy soap opera because I, I right because Mario, I feel you have a sex scene with somebody else from the studio. <laughs> <laughs> I do. AMAW's very own Derek Fallon. Represents, and he he was given a character name, Wade. Yes, Wade, which I'm like, what the hell is that name? Oh my God, I love it. Um, But it was actually so nice to have him because obviously I was in class with him. So it was like, so, like such a comfortable sex scene because we had already had one in class. (laughs) I love it. Well, you guys tell, tell, I mean, each of you just tell us a little bit about your journey, um, maybe in terms of, let's start with the show, I guess, Um, because what a a great opportunity for you both. And I mean, this is, you know, I know you both have been working, but, but also it's a great step in the right direction, right? In terms of career and opportunities. So Tona, why don't you start and tell us a little bit about the journey for you and the show so far? Yeah. I'll start with like what the show's about. The show is an inter- intergenerational drama that explores what happens when you immigrate into a country with a dream and then who you become once you've achieved the dream and have money, power, and success. And what are the lengths that you're willing to do to keep it, right? And so uh, I play in Antonio Sandoval. Of the wine country, of course. <laughs> yes, of course, in Sonoma. Okay. And okay. so I play Antonio Sandoval, which is the eldest son of Joe Sandoval. He, Antonio, well, my journey with Antonio, I had originally auditioned for the role of Carlos. 
um, who was an immigrant uh, in that storyline. And I had uh, fallen in love with the story and the world that Matt Lopez created. And I didn't get the part. And Matt reached out to me and uh, asked me to audition for Antonio. And I had some reservation with it because um, I have done, I've played a lot of queer characters in the past, uh, Marcos in Vida, uh, Miguel in The Loud House, etc. And I was a little nervous about what type of story this was going to be. And so I told casting, I said, you know, can I speak to y'all and you just like lead me as to where this character is going? And Matt was so generous and he called me himself, our showrunner, and uh, he pitched me this idea and I turned it down. He, he had pitched this really, really wonderful thing, but I was scared that I had already played something similar to that. Mm-hmm. And he said, well, what's your idea? What story do you want to tell? And I thought about it. I've never been, you know, usually you get pitched these ideas and that's kind of where it is. Um, but I had really thought about it. And Antonio uh, deals with a lot of internalized shame and trauma. And so I said, if, if I am going to play a villain per se, I want it to be motivated from that. I wanted, I want to really dissect not the beauty of being queer, but the ugly parts that we all have to face in order to become beautiful yet again. Mm. You know, I want to explore what happens to a person who doesn't trust anyone and who's constantly betraying other people because he doesn't trust himself and is constantly and was betrayed and has thus internalized said betrayal. And that was a, it was supposed to be a 15 minute conversation, but it ended up being an hour and a half. (laughs) And by the end of it, Matt just said, those are great ideas. Let's do it. And so I said, I'll see you tomorrow at the producer read. Whoa. <laughs> oh no, I love it. I've always felt this about you, even in my limited, you know, I know I didn't get to teach you at the studio, but like in my, just my limited experience with you. And then obviously in the reading you did recently, like I've always felt, and you know, you guys know, I'm very intuitional about people. I always thought you were, you don't have to give away how old you are, but you're super young. But I always, I was like, you know, he's like a super old soul in a very young gay man's body or yes. just yes. You know what I mean? And I, I think that this, you're speaking up for yourself. Like you're, you're like, that's like Will Smith league already to just be like, yeah. you know what? Um, let's, I'd like to do it this way. I mean, I think that speaks a lot to just your space, your headspace, and how you view the world and your world, your place in the world. And so hats off to you. That's really oh, amazing. Thank you. I appreciate that. I mean, I, it's, it hasn't, it's been a journey to be able to get there, but uh, I sat and asked myself why I'm acting. And and for me, it was, mm-hmm. I, I want to tell stories that are making a difference and are, yes, entertaining, but obviously like they're pushing the conversation forward and they're exploring larger themes of who we are. And so I, you know, my parents were undocumented. I don't come from money. Um, so I had nothing to lose, you know? I, even my own, my own manager at the time was like, why are you going to turn this down? Think about the money. And I said, well, I never got in for it for the money and I've never had it before. So I'm already at square one. I might as well say what I want to say. And I have to cut in. It wasn't just prior to this project. When we shot the pilot and we're waiting to hear back, Tona was one of, Tona Tio was one of the people that spearheaded us as a cast writing a letter to the network 
and telling them how important this project was for us to, to be a part of it, but also to get to do it and to be greenlit. And ultimately, like we all got together as a cast to write it, but Donatiu was like, you know, spearheading the conversation. And I don't think you've ever like, for a moment back down on not only giving up on defending what the show should be about, but also defending your character, which I think is so important. I mean, I believe in the project and with, and like talent like yours, Maria, like there's, I, <laughs> no, but I swear, I swear, and this isn't like, this isn't some compliment, but like, honestly, I find my fire because I believe in what we're doing and I believe in the power of this story and the cast that Veronica Rooney and Matt have gotten together. It's not just talented people, but they're smart actors with a and vision actors. and a voice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which but I think is a blessing and a curse because- <laughs> A curse for Matt, know, maybe. <laughs> no, it's a curse for these producers, for these writers, because all of us are just, we just care about this a lot, you know, and we're sitting down and we're like, mm, let's see, but is this in line with what I said in this episode? Cause I don't, you know. So. Tell them about the rehearsals, Maddie. Oh my God. So this is insane, Tony. Yeah, tell me. We, so John Ortiz, he is our lead. He's our number one. And he comes from a very long history of theater. As you probably know, he was a member of Labyrinth Company. So we are literally with a master when it comes to theater. And, and when we started the show from the pilot, you know, he said, hey, we need to rehearse. We need to have rehearsal space. And so that was the pilot. And it was really special and it was beautiful. And it made for our scenes to really, you know, be dynamic. And then when we got picked up, he asked in our first table read, okay, when are we doing rehearsal? And they're like, what, what? do you mean? Uh -huh. They're like, yeah, yeah, when are we doing a rehearsal? Like, we need to rehearse. We need to read these scenes and all that. And, and they're like, yeah, no, we don't, we don't do rehearsal on network TV. And so ABC had to change their policy because they had never had a cast ask for rehearsal space in, in a corporate like ABC network show. And so now we have these Saturday rehearsals that, are, that have to be voluntary because we're not being paid for them. Right. Where we all get together and we workshop the scenes and we read the scenes and we treat it as if, you know, we're gonna put up, because we are putting up a performance. <laughs> yeah. And it's, 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 it's beautiful. Like it really is so inspiring to just see all these actors really, you know, try and work through things. And, and, and it's great. It's really I think great. it's, it speaks to what you both are talking about. Like Tony, Tony, yours, your, your point about like, you know, you had nothing to lose and you really want to tell stories that matter. And Mario, you're, I mean, the, the head of the show, you know, sort of wanting to carry over this, practice of what it means to be an artist in the business that is really about artistry and yet you know I was talking to a, a a client this morning and we were laughing about as as evolved as a lot of people are in the industry or maybe that's not even the right word as artists like people have a different paradigm sometimes about life and artistry right but the business itself even though it tries to reflect a consciousness is really not there that's so yeah. interesting that we dwell in a spend, it's getting there perhaps, but right, but but it's still so money driven. And 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 so I, I find this to be really fascinating that it's also sort of stacked against the artists maybe doing their best work because you know you're part of a machine. The acting is still important, but in terms of executives, mm -hmm. it's maybe not as important as the rest of the machinery. You know what I right. mean? 
what's interesting and what I found here, and maybe this is a distinction that is helpful for the people who are watching, is um, as an actor, this was a dream, right? For Mariel, for myself, for you, for all of us, this is our dream and that is what we're chasing. And, and there's a certain level of I'm willing to do anything in order to get my dream. But the shift in consciousness for me really came when I stopped seeing this as just a dream, but I am a CEO in my business. I am a business owner. <laughs> And I'm selling a product, which is my story interpretation, my body, my voice, my whatever. Yeah, yeah. I have a team of people who work for me. My agent and my manager work for me. And when they hired me, I am hired as the department head for Antonio, right? Which isn't like a subservient, like, oh, I was wondering, I was thinking, but it's more so, hey, you know what would be helpful for me to do my job as best as possible for productivity yeah. is a rehearsal. You know, what would be helpful is time and space for us to sit down and marinate on the script and elevate the work because we live with the microscopic details of our character and Matt lives, Matt and the writers are creating and focused on plot. So I can't see from a business perspective how a voluntary rehearsal that costs nobody any money really would do any harm except elevate the product. You know, and I think they speak business, but we speak art. So for us, it's like we get to marinate in the juice of it all. Well, I also think what you're saying speaks to what we have to keep remembering as artists. Like you never know unless you ask. So you have to ask for it. You know what I mean? And, and don't be afraid to ask. Yeah. What's the worst? They can say no. You know what I mean? Yeah. But nothing yeah. ventured, nothing gained. Right. So, yeah. but Tony, I think you also speak to, you know, 25 years I've been working with artists and like reminding them like they have more agency than they often give themselves permission to well maybe they don't understand it first like I didn't when I first started out when I was your guys' age I was like oh my god it was insane the kind of things that I subjected myself to in New York it was really I have to write a book about that because I don't I never talk a lot about my own acting you know in class sometimes I give anecdotal stories because they're funny but but when I when I think about the kind of abuse that I took on in the name of being represented or having reps and that I thought I had to that that's what a relationship with reps was supposed to be mm. and I love that you're really speaking to well both of you because Maria I remember I remember that one time we were in the car together and I was asking you about your rep situation remember oh my God, yes conversations like but, but, but and you were like really like you know what these people are really working for me and we have a great relationship and they really believe in me and like I think actors sometimes get desperate that as long as they have someone someone, someone is better than no one yeah and that's, that's like dating that doesn't work no 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 not at all I think personally one of the like main things that I noticed with my reps was like right before Promised Land, I had done a pilot for a telenovela that shot in Colombia. And I just remember that then they offered the role to me and I was going to be six months in Colombia. And this was coming off the heels of the pandemic. I had been without work for more than a year and a half. And it was going to pay pretty well in comparison to like Latin American prices. And it was, a, you know, it was a soap opera and it was a role that I felt like I had done before. And I've done a telenovela. It's not a knock. I learned so much, but I felt like it was just going to head in that direction. And, you know, I, I went to Mexico City. I started my career there. I built my career there. I had never worked in the U.S., but my dream was always to work here and to do content here. 
And I remember just like, okay, you have to make a decision and you have to do it now. And I remember my manager saying like, you know, but you just did this audition for this promised land pilot. And like, you know, what if you get that? You know, if you get that, you can't do this thing. And I just kept thinking like, what are the fucking chances? Like, come on. Like, you think I'm going to get this pilot for this network show? And, you know, my mom and all these people that instill fear in your career, sometimes out of love or whatever, was like, take the money, go do the telenovela. And then I actually had probably like a two-hour conversation with Jordan, who's another teacher at AMAW who I adore. I took class with Jordan. (laughs) He's, I just, I love him so much. And he was just like listening to me vent because I didn't know how to listen to myself and to listen to my gut. And I really wanted to take a risk on myself and say no to this project, but it felt like everything in our career tells us to say yes, 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 yes. And you just, you no, 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 you don't deserve that. You're here, you know? And I finally didn't have anything on the table. And I said, you know what? I'm sorry. No. And then two weeks later, I got the pilot. (laughs) Well, you both have given examples of the power of no, right? Like you both said no, and then it turned into a yes for your, well, the no is a yes for ourselves when we are aware of like what we're saying no to is really affirming where we want to go or what we're trying to create more space for in our lives. It's hard though, because of all these external factors, right? Tony, you were going to say something about that? Well, I was just going to say Fortuna favors the bold. Mm. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Some great no. old Latin person said that long. Who's Lady Gaga? No, I'm just <laughs> kidding. <laughs> so how's it? So how many episodes are you in so far, you guys? Five. Whoa. Yeah. And how Three many? Five to go. Oh, 10. Okay. Wow. Mm-hmm. And are you shooting throughout the holiday here or are you taking a break pretty soon? We take a break next week. Um, I'm wrapping, I'm finishing five today. We broke into six on Monday. One thing that we like, this just, it's a period of adjustment. It's, it's, this is a moving train. Yeah. It is a moving train and it's like jump on or duck. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That's the machinery of, of especially network shows like that, right? Like it is, they just, tried and true, even though it's different subject matter and it's a story we've never seen before. And thank God it's not just the same white story, but networks have a way of like greasing the wheels of something that I don't, a soap opera is like, I don't mean that in a bad word, like nighttime, everything is a nighttime soap opera when you think about it, right? Even like- Yeah, 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 yeah. There's twists, there's turns, there's this, yeah. 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 I think the melodrama, I, I think, I guess maybe some people have a feeling about melodrama. But melodrama is a wonderful genre. I think it's so tasty and and it amplifies things in such a way that it brings out the truths a little faster because of the grandiosity of it all, right? And I think what's really beautiful about our show is that because there are so many Latinos, there's it's all Latin cast from all over the world. Um, none of us are burdened with the responsibility of being Latino. Mm-hmm. We can make mistakes. We can be ugly. And it says nothing about us as a race, mm-hmm. you know, because we're all so different. Mm-hmm. We get to be the bad guy, the good guy, the sketchy guy, the this, because we're right. not the only representation of that race on the show. Right. So it explores the humanity, you know, which is what we've been asking for, not to be 
you know, the cartel leader, the gangbanger. It's like we get to do all of it. <laughs> you mean Carmen's yeah. not a gangbanger? Well, <laughs> wait, wait for season two, baby. Right, <laughs> Mario, is your character's name Carmen? Yes, Carmen. And, and Inspired like by the, the opera, you know. Of course. Are you the femme fatale? I mean. <laughs> so fatale. Oh, God. You know, it's so funny. My character has changed so much from the pilot. She completely got rewritten. I mean, she was very bad. Very, 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 very bad. And then now it's changed a lot. You know, I can't give away too much, but I, I'm having fun. I'm having fun. Like, yeah. you know, it's a typical, it's a typical person that, you know, no one expects anything from Carmen. She's the youngest daughter of the family, but um, I think that's what makes her very dangerous. And are you two related from the same family? Or are you guys yeah. from? Okay. I'm her older brother. So oh my. <laughs> there's the first marriage and we have, there's three kids there. The, the eldest, which is Veronica, then it is Antonio, then me, Carmen, and then there are two other siblings from different marriages. So it's like a Brady Bunch type of deal. Yeah. But with like okay. betrayal and lust and, you know. I also, Tony, too, what you said about um, um, melodrama, though, I'm always advocating for actors, too, to not get too serious because when you think about life, life is this great cosmic melodrama, isn't it? And it's like, you know, a lot of times in class, when actors get really stuck on like, I'm scared to be too big or I'm scared to go for this or I'm, it's, I'm just the, the fear around something presenting as being too much. But if we look at life, if we really just walk out our door and get out of our like echo chamber bubbles and look at like the parade, oh look, I'm gonna totally start crying. It's just so colorful and wild and yeah. dramatic. <laughs> Everything I mean is dramatic, right? So. I love that you use melodrama, not as a pejorative, but as like to find kind of like your center in that kind of storytelling. Let's be honest here. Whoever the writers for America 2020 to 2021 were, like their backdrop, they were like, you know what? This isn't exciting enough. Let's do a pandemic. Let's just, you know what well, I mean? Like, I mean, like we live no, in wild 2000, times. 2016 to... Like, they're like, this is boring. Let's have some fascism and some, like, riots and a pandemic <laughs> just for fun. Like, the writers went crazy this last season, the last few seasons. <laughs> it's true. It is really true. And who knows what's coming season two, right? Like, it's kind of crazy what's coming down. Oh. Um, but I, I agree with you, um, Tony. I feel like when it comes back to class, it's funny when we find, or at least in my personal experience, when I've found the juiciest, the meatiest stuff is when I am allowed a space to be bigger, to be bolder, yeah. to like go more dramatic, to turn on a different accent, because it's almost like, um, I don't know, like a mask that, 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 that now you're not looking at Marielle, right? Like you're looking at something else. And so we're able to, I mean, I remember I have this beautiful memory of you this was my mm -hmm. intro class back in 2015. Wow. And I was doing Angels in America. Which oh, is love that play. So dramatic. <laughs> but I wasn't finding it and I was not getting anywhere. And I remember I had never like cried in the scene I, 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 ever. Mm -hmm. And you were teaching 
and I was saying the lines and I was doing the thing, but I wasn't feeling it. And you're like, I can hear an accent. Where are you from? And I'm like, oh, I'm from Mexico. And he's like, okay, do it in Spanish. And the moment I started saying those lines in Spanish, oh my God, I'm going to get emotional, but like, it just like triggered this thing and, 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 and it gave me like, it allowed me to just be, you know, it was, oh God, it was so beautiful. And then I was like, mm-hmm. okay, you don't have to shut off these like little parts of you. They can be everything it needs to be. Well, also I, you know, when I do that, you know, I, I started doing that early on because I discovered in my experimenting with actors that wherever they were from, whatever their mother language was, they were more connected to their own emotional center point, right? Again, like yeah. the center of who they were. And so it just gave them more agency and freedom to like connect emotionally. And I think sometimes, you know, I was just in Copenhagen teaching at our, our Denmark school. What? And yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but, 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 but the point was here is this, it, you guys don't have this issue, but sometimes people have this, um, especially when they work with teachers in America, let's say, who are like, you have to do that. And we can't hear your accent. We can, you're not allowed to hear your accent. And right, sometimes actors who come to English as a second language are so focused on the vowels and the diphthongs and the consonants and the placement and saying everything correctly without an accent, they're already so in their heads that they are not even accessing any of the emotional connection to what they're processing, right? So my whole thing over so many years has been like, well, let's first start it in our own, whatever you speak that makes you feel most you, let's start there. And then we work backwards. And you know, can I just say this? Because I'm working on another book uh, about this because when I was in, this is kind of related, but but not about language, but about starting from ourselves. Um, when I was teaching at our Vancouver school, this is prior to the p- pandemic because I haven't been up there since, but. Uh, one of our teachers up there was like, you know, Tony, I think you should look up this book he gave me um, about Stanislavski because I've always been kind of like, you know, oh God, Stanislavski is a little, (laughs) and I did, I don't ever subscribe to a lot of the, the terminology that I think Mm -hmm. actors try to play that I don't think is playable. Right. And he said, but I don't, he's like, he's, he's doing his dissertation at a college there um, or his PhD. And he's like, but I think what, Uh, in this book, he was saying what's being uncovered is that Stanislavski was teaching more, what I've been teaching for so long is more aligned with the real Stanislavski than what, what sort of the forebears of him who have been teaching it have said it was. And in my deep dive of this book, Stanislavski was teaching at a time where he was using, um, he didn't use words like objective and through line yeah. and yeah. super objective. He would actually back the actors into text. They would be on a very long rehearsal process. His whole thing was about spirit, about the moment, about the power of now, whatever that language was in the early, in the turn of the century, right? And he would make them use the text at the very last juncture. So he would do rehearsals based on, okay, Mario, I want you and Tony just, you're going to improv the whole scene. And then next week, we're going to improv the whole scene. And then we'll start to add some of the text from the actual play, right? So that eventually the actor, because when we improv or when we speak our native language, that was my point, we're already saying it as if we would say it. So last point about this, because this blows my mind. So he, so when I was reading this book, I was like, oh my God, everything that I believe in, 
were, were sort of the bedrock of what he was trying to say, mostly about independent thinking, think, trust yourself. Mm -hmm. The idea of character is you, you are in the situation. Then on his deathbed, Stalin rose to dictatorship and his teachings got basically held hostage by the government. They did not want any manuals or books to come out around words like religion, spirit, free thinking, independence. Right. So they took those words and they turned them into something structural. Like a glossary. <laughs> yes, a, a communist manifesto. Well, actually, it's not even communism because communism, it's a totalitarian it's an authoritarian way. Yeah. Yes. So the real spirit of Stanislavski was lost over the years, and it's been co-opted by what's your super objective or show me your character's yeah. history. And those weren't that what he was always trying to do is an experiment to get the actor to be more him or herself. Blows mm -hmm. my mind. So I'm working on a new book about kind of that. And so my, my, my long, sorry, that was a long, but I'm very passionate. No, about but it. that's so interesting. No, you know that about him, you know? So well, I, pedagogically, you know. what you're talking about, Tony, is actually sound in psychology. So there's a few points that I want to add to this because I nerd out about anything academic and especially academic acting. Mm -hmm. um, because like I, I went through academia and, and stuff like this. I did learn my, my origins were Stanislavski based and then we experimented elsewhere. But the things that I want to add to this, to what your points that you're making is um, when you psychologically, they say like we are most in tune with our language. Our, our first language, whatever our mother tongue is. And I think tying it back into this show, I advocate and we advocate really hard to put as much of this as in, Sp in Spanish as possible. I oh. even requested, there's a, I, without giving too much away, but there's a moment in my storyline that I haven't seen yet, but at some point, if we have multiple seasons, there will be a reckoning. And I requested that entire scene be done in Spanish. Oh, wow. Because it's it is so tied to my to my character's trauma that I it only feels true. It, it's the only like you know what I mean. That's like when the facades really drop, you know. Mm -hmm. And now bringing tying it back into Stanislavski. I mean, the acting. I don't know if you knew this, but pre Stanislavski, there were literal manuals on how to show emotion. Like mm -hmm. this position is yeah. sad. This one's bewilderment. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. And Stanislavski was you know, what he was known for and what he threw away was the idea that we are people and the table reads, those long table reads, like the true meaning of that word was just a two week process where no one would be on their feet, but we would sit and we would talk and we would talk about the implications of what we're saying, why we're saying it, ask a million questions. And that tying it back into promised land is precisely what John Ortiz is doing because this is like for, again, table read in, the business world of, of studio and network is the executives get to hear it to make sure it's not crap. Right. right? But table read right. for actors, that sacred word is a space for us to bring ourselves to the table, mm. to ask questions that will be received by the writer and they experiment and mold and mesh. And we bring our humanity to it so that we can develop something that is true and unique to the voice of what we are creating. And so pedagogically, everything that you're saying is really great. And I think Stanislavski's work did get messed up through uh, the, the government, but also <laughs> his, his followers, people, it's like the Bible. You know what I mean? Like, it's like Jesus. It's literally in, like Jesus. They hear, they hear what they want to hear. 
he was a hermit who didn't know how to connect to his emotions and his journey was to learn to be emotional. And so like that, no wonder that they cling on to those things. So when people come to me and they're like, oh, which school should I go to? I'm like, well, what's your problem in life? <laughs> what's your problem in life? I'll tell you which, who's a good teacher for that. We'll have to have a coffee and talk about all this. And I didn't know you yeah. Yeah, did such a deep dive in like acting philosophies. Today's podcast episode is sponsored by We Audition. Receive 25% off with the promo code AMAW on weaudition.com. The video chat community to audition, rehearse, self-tape, and get advice. And hopefully book the fucking job. What is our art but meeting ourselves, our true selves, in a painting, a song, a scene? We're always contending with ourselves, right? Always. Like the common denominator I'm always saying in everybody's experiences themselves. So thereby, through that, we discover this thing called a story. So, but it's scary. I get it. Like having to face ourselves and yeah. do it wrong, quote unquote, or like, you know, I wanted, Mara, I wanted to circle back a little bit about, you know, you were saying in class about giving yourself the permission. Well, you both are very full actors. Come on, you're both very full. You both are very, you both have very strong points of view, feeling <laughs> and otherwise. <laughs> I know this is important because that can't really be taught. You either got that or not. I mean, this is what I tell actors all the time. I mean, you can develop it as you move through life, but you guys are very full. But I was going to say, and I'm sure you're set because you, you have a leader there who comes from the theater, the labyrinth, no less, and has created a rehearsal process that's about the actors exploring and discovering and playing, mm -hmm. right? But I think also as young actors, and you maybe have heard me say this in class, I find it interesting because I think we're living in a time, God bless Netflix, because it has created more, the streamers have created more opportunities across the board for actors to act, however, comma, it's so complicated, like a lot of things. It's also, I think, marginalized the way stories are being told in terms of the acting that's being asked of people. And yeah. so what ends up happening is you watch a lot of things where you're like, wait, is it me or they're not acting? Meaning like <laughs> they're acting because you're yeah. not feeling anything. Yeah. And I think we've lost this, this connection to feeling and mm -hmm. it really freaks me out because I'm so grateful that so many people are working, but I also find for young people, if they, and now what we're discovering about social media and like, I yeah. think we're starting to maybe think that acting is this one thing that we're constantly, I think it's, it's becoming a way to escape as opposed to feel mm. and I'm interested in feeling. There are a lot of really good reasons entertainment can be a form of escapism and sometimes it should be. But, yes. but I agree with you, it should primarily be a basis for art and to move you and to make you feel something. And I think there's just so much that is pushed out that, I mean, 90% of it is crap. <laughs> well, I, I just, always, I would, sorry, go ahead, Tony. Well, well, I was going to venture. Go ahead, sorry. No, no, you no. go, Tony. I think, Again, it art doesn't necessarily mean commercial, but my whole point about storytelling is it's not to entertain people, it's to make people think and feel. However, comma, one of the things that can also make people think and feel is also therefore to entertain them. But yeah. that should not be the primary reason why we're doing it. Yes, I, I, like, uh, yes, I agree with you. I agree. Well, I, I don't disagree. And I think that's the distinction that we have to make between the business of acting yeah. 
and the art of acting, right? Because the television only exists to have advertisements. True. That is why we, that is how we get paid. The day they need you to pay attention to the 15 seconds in between. The show cannot be 60 minutes because it needs to be 42.22 seconds so that we have 16 minutes of exactly commercial time, right? And I think that this is the challenge that we face both on the acting level, but on the writer and showrunner level is how can we honor that, right? The reality of the what's, what's so of this industry and tell good story. And to add to your point about like the difference between acting, it's like we're afraid of facing ourselves because we're no longer asked to do it. Mm. We're constantly looking to distract ourselves because we don't want to feel. Mm -hmm. We have our phones that can take us to 30 second attention span, Instagram videos, TikToks, whatever. We have porn that you can just like, if you need a dopamine kick, you can jump on that. There's so many things encouraging you not to feel, including media. Don't worry about your pain. Watch this person's pain, you know? And I think like a question that I do have for Maria, because you proposed this, Tony, but I I do want to hear this from her is what is Carmen pushing you for yourself like what are you exposing what is it challenging what button is it pushing for you oh oh it's funny because I think personally it's having me look at the parts that I'm personally ashamed of insecure about but that I know I have access to And so it's asking me to come to terms with that part of myself that maybe I'm not proud of and giving it some truth. You know, I was struggling a lot with with the sex of it, right? Like I, Mariel Molino, consider myself a pretty sex positive person. I I love my sexuality. I am empowered by it. And with Carmen, she as well is a very sexually positive person. She's a person that knows you know, her body and her this, you know, we said femme fatale, but it's a struggle of wanting to feel empowered by my sexuality while also dealing with the male gaze and mm. the fear of being objectified and seen as this one thing, right, by all of America. So it's like this, this little battle that I always have internally with myself of, of, and this is me just being really honest. And I, and I, and I was thinking about it the other day, like, damn, I love, I love that. I have this part of me. I love this sexuality. I love this thing. And I love it so much that I get excited about it. If I get to showcase it in the story and, and through Carmen, but at the same time, I fucking hate it, <laughs> you know? Marla, I was going to say, I knew you were going to say sexual stuff, because of course, like, I mean, I think that's so hard for everybody. But, you know, something that just came to me that I think we have to keep remembering as actors when we're exploring a role that predominantly is presenting or exploring something that, mm-hmm. you know, in this case, she's sexual. That's also to me, you kind of use those words in objectification, but, but it's also a fantasy character in a way, because nobody, no character, even a sex worker, let's say, or somebody who is sexual for a living to pay bills is not sexual 24 seven. You know what I mean? Yeah. Their entire gestalt isn't that thing. And so sometimes for the actor to live or you watch a movie and it can be a really extraordinary exploration of a, a, a component of a person that's still two hours of 
the preponderance of that characteristic still doesn't mean that's who that person is 24 seven. A way to create space around who is Carmen when she's not like getting laid. <laughs> you know what I mean? When she's exactly. not obsessive. Because I think we have to remember that. I think I think it speaks to what to me it's all connected, right? Like we do Netflix has gotten us to watch things so we don't have to contend with ourselves as well, like all those things you said. And it's also fantasy. We want to. If I'm not liberated, listen, I have uh, one of the leads on Bridgerton and now in season two, one of my students is the lead on Bridgerton and I forgot wow. how sexual it is. And I just- Oh my God, yeah. I just podcast her uh, yesterday and she was just talking about like, ooh, how steamy those scenes are. And again, I think we we love as the, I'm not saying myself, but like we we love the voyeur aspect. Oh, I oh love gosh, it. I love me? the sex in the series. Yes. Like, I know that shit sells. <laughs> I, I think it. Love, I think we do love the voyeuristic thing of not just like, of course, the taboo of sex. Like we want to see like, oh, what's that? What's going on over there? You know, but we also love the voyeuristic of like, say the quiet part. Do the yeah. bad thing. Yeah. Because in life, we, we, we are forced to be nice. Be kind. I mean, we don't have to. We can do whatever we want. But, you know, we typically, a good person is like, oh, I'm going to stay here. I'm not going to say the thing. I could clap back, but I'm going to choose not to. But we have the opportunity of being like, go fuck yourself. Yeah. You know what I mean? We can like stand up and say the words. And if, if, we, if we are gifted great writing as, as we are in the show, like you can go there and well, say the thing that others wish. That's the rule with the, with the scene. We talk about in class all the time, like you're either fighting or you're fucking. And when you see that, it's interesting. You know what I mean? You either want to fight or you want to fuck. Like, which one is it? Yeah. And I, I think mean, that's where drama ensues. We forget too. It's like a distillation, even a series, 10 episodes is a distillation of 10 hours or what's 42 minutes times 10, whatever that would be. Eight yeah. hours of people's most dramatic, you know, the Life. intersection of the drama. Yeah. So that's why sometimes it feels like a confrontation, I think, Mariel, too, because so much of the driving force of a character like yours, I don't know enough about it, but kind of what you're intimating is focused on that part of who you are. You know what I mean? But yeah. Yeah, you just have to keep, I think it's, I think it's exciting for you. I mean, it's exciting, but I'm also thankfully uh, working with a really cool group who, I think initially she was a lot more sex driven and a lot more sexual and that was my thing. And yeah. now we've found so much more interesting things. And I think like that is a part of her. And I'm always fearful that that is the only part that will, that people will focus on. Right. But I think that there's a lot of other things that I get to play with and do that is exciting. But you guys, I also want you guys and the listeners to remember too, is even if a role were written a certain way, you both are so human and idiosyncratic and strange and beautiful and have the wonder of the universe in you. We, the actor has to trust that you also are transcending sometimes the limitations of a line or a story or a character. Oh yeah. By bringing so much of your own autobiography, your own self to it. That's what makes something track in a more uh, multi-dimensional way. Is that yeah. the right word? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. I think the actor has to trust that, that you can make something that maybe, and I'm not saying you're saying this about this woman. I'm just yeah. saying, you know, a lot of times when actors are like, God, I don't even want to go out for that. I was like, well, don't worry about it. Like you have to trust that you're going to bring something substantive to material that is like, wah, wah. 
You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's I mean, half this- the battle with us. Like literally we, we are trying to, in a lot of ways, make sure that these situations that we're in are coming from a place of fully truth. human. Yeah, fully human, yeah. I, I think there's, um, uh, in this show, I've learned a lot of how to um, work the page. I have to remember that the scripts are written for an executive to read and understand, mm-hmm. right? So that they can mm-hmm. follow along, right? So my process, I oftentimes like will grab a little Sharpie or if I'm on my iPad or whatever, and I'll cross out like Antonio smiles or Antonio feels this way or gasp, he's angry or whatever. I just get rid of all that. And I really just ask myself, what do I want? What's in my way? Did I try it? Did I succeed? If not, how did I change it? You know, and then like this last scene that I shot yesterday, I went anti-page. Like I flirted. I was like, I'm going to seduce my way to where I want to go. And I pitched it to the writer beforehand to honor his writing. And I said, I'm not changing a single line, but I'm not doing that. And just watch it. And if you don't like it, we can give you an alternative of what you wanted. And he was like, I didn't write that, but it works. And I think that's like the empowering thing for us. It's it's you, words are just words, but you can say bitch a 10,000 ways, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Well, giving yourself the permission to interpret as you would. I mean, Tony, I love that. Like, it's true because it is written for uh, the exact, it's like written in hieroglyphics in a way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the actor has to fill in the blanks. You have to like with your heart and soul and just your being, that's how something comes to life because yeah, well, but that's what I said. Like, you guys already are doing that. You're very full people. So that's perfect casting. That's why you guys got the job. <laughs> it's true. It's really well, true. But I will say, I, I will say that to that point, it is. Because <laughs> I, I just, if there's one thing I'm really learning on the show, it's that when you're hired, you know, you're hired to do your job. Like there really isn't any handholding. Like no. I don't, maybe I thought there was an idea of like, okay, let's run through the scene and see how it feels. No, honey, like you get on set. You're lucky if you get away with three, four sh- takes on if your post. If that. If so if that. you don't come in with what you want to say in your intention and, and you're sure of how, you, and of course you let it, be affected by whatever you're listening to and who you're playing with but then no one's going to give you a suggestion no one's going to be like oh i think that's like that no 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 they hired you to be this character and you bring to the table yourself and that's it yep well that's a great reminder you guys for our listeners because i think you know there is no time it's a machine and and you know I, I hope you guys get a season two and you'll probably find that even in season two it gets slashed better or worse because most shows like w- actors that I've worked with who have long running series the directors who come and direct don't even direct them anymore they, the actors self-direct because they just the directors don't know the sort of they don't know art. the story as well as you do no they just don't know but it, it, it but, I mean you have right. but this is a great reminder you guys that yeah. you just you commit to whatever it is that you need to commit to make happen. And then it works or it doesn't work. And then you'll get an adjustment if it doesn't work. I'm always saying if you, if you don't hear from them, it means they're really happy. Because exactly. if they did come and tell you something or you got fired, then that would mean that it's not working. So <laughs> yeah. you guys oh, aren't God. fired yet. So it means you're doing great. You know what I mean? Yeah. And they really are looking to you to bring that, you know? Like, I think it's, really I, it's so important for us to be reminded that 
They really directors, are. producers, they really don't have all the answers when it comes creatively. Like they're no. looking no. for you to bring this to life. I remember, I'm not I, gonna say any who it was, but I was in a scene with an actor, you know, and after two takes of him getting what he needed, he came up to him and he was like, is there anything you would like to try? Like, just try something. And he was like, oh, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know. And it's like, no, we need a come. And, and, and that's why we're hired. This is, this is what we get to do. We get to perform. And, and, and it really is, you know, what we were hired for. I think there's, this industry runs a lot on fear, you know, and, and because it's so much money. I mean, I don't think my mom, I've been doing this for years, but my mom had no idea that there was like, there's a department for that. Did you know she walked by like the Arboretum in Pasadena and she goes, they were shooting a commercial. And do you know how many people work on a set? Yeah. And I was like, oh God, yes, mom. Mom. <laughs> yes, mom, I do. But, but everybody runs on fear and no one wants to look bad or stupid. Right. Yeah. And because their ass is on the line and they want to feed their family, blah, 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 whatever, whatever. And so if, Imagine if you're the actor who comes to set with just your lines memorized, no ideas, no nothing, no, like you don't know that you need a prop, you don't need whatever. So everyone is already anticipating those things. But if you do the work at home, you figure out the beats, you can send an email to the director, the writer, whatever, even to casting or whatever, and just be like, hey, I have a few questions just to make my job easier. You're assuming the responsibility. And there, like, you know, I won't talk about certain directors, but there have been directors who, already have a vision as to what you're going to do and whatever, whatever, because they have to, because if you didn't do the homework, they look stupid. Yeah. Right. And so save people the trouble, build a reputation for yourself as coming as the person who's so prepared. Yeah. It was like, okay, the day of, I emailed you guys ahead of time. I anticipate that I'm going to need a tarp. I would love nothing more to actually have dirt to dig through so that I'm not pretending to dig through dirt. Um, I would love this kind of thing. I anticipate that it's going to be cold. Could I have joggers, blah, blah, blah. Let me come up with this stuff. Here's what I thought. What do you think? You're coming to the table full and then people can be like, oh, okay. I don't have to work as hard when they're on set. I love that you're reminding people of this, you guys, because it's, you know, I've been saying this forever. Like nobody knows, right? I'm reading this great book by William Goldman. He wrote in the 1980s. He wrote, uh, uh, oh my God, he wrote so many award-winning screenplays, uh, Princess Bride, like, and oh he, my God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's, he won Academy Awards, but he, 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 he had been around since the 60s. He's still alive. But he said his famous saying was, in Hollywood, nobody knows anything. And I think I've always used that as my mantra that you guys know at least as much as anybody else. And we have to trust that. And when you come to the table with a strong point of view, the person who's facilitating it will take your cues. And then if it's not what they're looking for, they'll give an adjustment. But if you don't come to the table with something, you're just going to be overlooked, right? Yeah. And, but I think it's also, this is a great way to maybe end because a producer I know just worked with this huge celebrity and she was saying how like, even at this level, this celebrity doesn't really work with directors who direct her. And it made me so sad because like it's at the, and it's so fascinating, right? For whatever reasons, people are scared to direct someone at that level. People don't know how. You forget that we think we're going to get on set and we're going to do the job and the clouds are going to part. All the mysteries of acting, why you suffered in classes for so long, are going to come to you and be like, oh, this is how you do it. And you realize, yeah. oh, like, no, we're all trying to figure it out. Everybody's trying to fucking figure it out. And when you do with an open heart, I think you, you generate something interesting, really. Yeah. That's really it. You've got to yeah. stay open. But yeah. 
Yeah, let's do the speed round, you guys. Oh, oh shit, okay. Uh, I'll take turns who leads, because sometimes it's easier if you have a little bit of time to think. Okay. okay. Uh, Mariel, if you weren't an actor, uh, what would you be? I would be a chef. I love to cook. Oh, wow. mm -hmm. um, separate from the industry altogether, because I would say writer, but uh, politician. Oh, wow. I can yeah, see that. I, I still that. think you might have a future in that. Yeah. I would vote for you. <laughs> We need new we need new city councilmen in the all Los Angeles area. Just saying. Yes. Okay. Councilman, councilwoman. Um, Tono, what's your favorite film of all time, or just a favorite film? Oh, Jesus. Okay, a favorite film, like just to my heart, is My Neighbor's Totoro. But a favorite film for my mind is We Need to Talk About Kevin. Mm. Oh, I love that movie. He was amazing in that movie. Mario. I think a favorite film that just opened up the floodgates of feeling for me uh, I was E.T. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I just was so nostalgic. I don't know. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> yeah. Um, what's something you can't do without, Miss Molino? My dog. Sona. <laughs> Apatio. Oh, he carries Apatio in his car. Are you serious? Yes. You mean the hot sauce? Yeah. <laughs> sponsor me. If you're watching this, sponsor me. <laughs> um, who's your celebrity crush? Can be man or woman. Tell me. Oh, uh, uh, Jake Gyllenhaal. Oh, good one. He's mm -hmm. hot. Uh, Guy Fieri. <laughs> no, Maria, don't go to Flavor Town. I mean, I don't want to yuck your yum, but she brought Wait, this up on set and it was so funny. Who is that? I don't think I know that. Guy Fieri, oh, only the hottest okay. man in Flavor Town. Flavor <laughs> Town, he's gonna take money out of Flavor Town. Either him or Anthony Hopkins, honestly. Oh, good one, good one. Miss yeah. um, Molino, what would be advice for your younger self? Just got serious here. I know, I know. I think it would just be to don't let other people's fears become your fears. Right. Mm. Don't confuse other people's bigotry as uh, a truth for who you are. Mm. Very similar, you both, good job. Yeah. Uh, Tona, how would you describe acting in one word? Messy. Oh, I love it. Mario. Oh, fuck. Um, oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. <laughs> I mean, that's technically two words, but just fuck, fuck. Uh, Ms. Bellino, what's something you've learned from the school or continue to learn? Mm. Take all the risks. Take all. all the fucking risks. I remember one of the biggest rules I learned was like, don't think anything is too big or too scary. If Meryl Streep walked in the room, would she say like, I don't know, that's kind of risky. You know what I mean? Like, I always think of that. Good one. Yes, you are a risk taker. So are you, Tona. What would be your takeaway? From your school, Tony, I took away, you don't have to know. Mm. Well, we you don't, don't anyway. We don't. Right, but you don't have to know. That's right. There's actually more freedom in that because then you like can let go of control, right? But yeah. it's hard. It takes time for people to get that. I'm 53 mm -hmm. and I'm still working on it. Yeah. I also yeah. just did an ayahuasca ceremony this past <gasps> weekend. I want to do it. Oh, 
Okay, we'll do one. Well, well, yeah. Uh, that's my fourth journey, but 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 we'll 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 share that for another time. But but, but it yeah. went so, well. Yeah, I mean, each one has been you know different, but 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 that it also reconfirms like all these principles. You know what I yeah. mean? Like we yeah. don't know, and take risks, and be open, blah blah blah. Um, okay, last question. What's your definition of love, Tony? Oi. Damn, this is hard. What's my definition of love? I'm redefining that. So I think that's why I'm pausing because I thought love was a lot of sacrifice. Hmm. But I think now love is understanding and patience. Because mm. like, I think in the past, it's like, oh yeah, sacrifice, you know, you, you can do whatever, whatever. But now it's just like, I understand where you're, where you're at and I'm going to exude patience, but I'm also going to like love me, boundary. Right. Yeah. Maria. Yeah, I, I think I think love is patience. Love yeah. is kind. Love is okay. <laughs> I'm just repeating Corinthians. <laughs> no. You is beautiful. You is smart. You is beautiful. You is kind. No, I think I think love is growing and yeah. evolving. Fuck, that's scary. I don't even want to. Yeah, that is scary. Now I'm going to go cry in my trailer. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ready for your scene. I always end with my definition of love is just this moment right now. Hmm. I love that. So, I do. I love you guys. You're really yeah, very special people. It's much deserved, your successes and your victories. And please enjoy the ride. Please enjoy it. We forget how hard we work to get somewhere, actors. And just enjoy it. Enjoy it because this too will change. This too will yeah. pass. Tony, I just want to say there was a moment yeah. that I wanted to share. And I told my deal that I wanted to share this. But yeah. um, during the pilot, we were in the middle of Atlanta. And uh, we Atlanta. stepped outside. Yeah. yeah, we did. We stepped outside oh. of this beautiful mansion full of very problematic artwork. Um, uh, overlooking of a forest. Yeah. And you could see underneath all the people working and the lights and whatever. And Mariela's in this stunning yellow dress. And she looks at me and I look at her and, I, and she says, we're really doing this, aren't we? Oh. It's both of our first series regulars. We yeah. both grew up dreaming of this moment. And if I could take anything away from the show is the people that it, that I work with and uh, to call you my sister Marie is I love an understatement. I love you. I love you so much. I really love you so much. Yeah, we are taking it in, baby. We really are. We really are. That's one of the reason to do it, except to have fun and take mm -hmm. it in to yeah. enjoy, celebrate. We, we forget. Yeah. Um, where can, where can the peeps find you guys? Mary, where are you? I am are you? on Instagram at Mariel Molino, Mariel Molino. And that's pretty much all I would give out. My TikTok, you don't want to go there. <laughs> no, unless you want to see us dance. <laughs> I am, I am Tonatiu, T-O-N-A-T-I-U-H on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. But literally Instagram's where I live. Uh, yeah. Hopefully one day I'll learn how to do the others. Or not, you don't need to. They will be replaced no. by something else soon. Remember MySpace? Yeah. Um, <laughs> and when is the show drop again? ABC. January 24th, baby, ABC. January 24th, premiering Monday nights after The Bachelor. And on Hulu. And on Hulu if you don't have Hulu. TV. 
the next day. I know. Right? Literally, yeah. like, I, I'm like, they told me, they're like, oh, it's going to be on ABC. And I was like, I got to get cable now. Uh, <laughs> it's on Hulu. It's on Hulu. I'm like, okay. It's on Hulu. It's on Hulu. That's hilarious. Thanks, you guys. Can't Thank you for having me. us. Thank you for all of your beautiful, beautiful advice. Today's podcast episode is sponsored by We Audition. Receive 25% off with the promo code AMAW on weaudition.com. The video chat community to audition, rehearse, self-tape, and get advice. And hopefully book the fucking job.